Today, for those of you guys and gals on the live stream, this is going to be a good episode. Evan Dixon is in the green room right now. We'll be bringing him out in just a moment. We're going to be talking about off-grid communications with radio for the homestead. Uh, this was an episode I was supposed to do about four weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that, when I was uh, kind of jacked up with the COVIDs and uh, we ran right up to 10 minutes before. I thought I was going to be able to pull it off, and uh, I was just about to to go live and I started pouring sweat. I'm like, I can't do this under studio lights. So uh, Evan was good enough to let us reschedule. We'll have him on in just a moment. Uh, his site is radiomadeeasy.com. You're definitely going to want to check that out. And I think even if you think like, you know, radio is not for me, you might change your mind after today's episode. With that, let's go ahead before we uh, bring Evan on and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is the Wealth Stunning Podcast. With John Pugliano. Now, if you've been listening for any length of time at all, you don't need to know who John is, but I'm going to tell you anyway. He's one of us. He's a prepper. He's a member of the Expert Council, and I hear tell he might actually even be on YouTube in the live stream today. I was chatting with him earlier this morning. Uh, anyway, John is just an awesome dude. He has a podcast again called The Wealth Studying Podcast, where you can learn to grow your wealth like you grow your garden into total abundance. John is the real deal, too. Uh, John was working a totally different job. He started getting involved with investment. He made himself into a self-made millionaire through investing before he took a single client, got licensed and started taking clients on. And now he takes all his wisdom and condenses it down into these short, awesome podcasts about what's going on in the markets. You can't afford not to listen to this. So check him out today at wealthsteading.com. And if you haven't subscribed to his podcast yet, however you listen to podcasts, please do so. Next up today is J.M. Bullion. Guys, I know I'm big on Bitcoin, but I'm actually big on all hard money, and I love stacking silver and gold. Now, there is no place I'm going to stack silver and gold other than J.M. Bullion, and let me tell you why. First of all, you see right there at the top, if you're watching the video, free shipping on our orders, $199 and up. Next, they've been sponsoring my show for over a decade. Are you kidding me? Ten years of sponsorship in the world of podcasting seems crazy. The other thing is I have direct uh, contact with the president of this company, and that means if there ever is a problem, I can say, hey, man, let's take care of this customer. It almost never happens, but it just feels good to me to be able to have that kind of personal relationship. I trust JM Bullion. You can, too. And here's the best part. You know all those really big ones you see, like advertising on Fox News with big-name celebrities way bigger than me that are like Lear Capital and Amex and companies like that. Yeah, JM Bullion has better pricing for the same silver. So with all that going for it, I don't know why you would stack your precious metals with anyone else. Remember, my recommendation on precious metals has not changed since I started the show 15 years ago. I've always said what? You want to put about 5 to 10% of your net wealth in silver and gold. I still make that same recommendation. If you're going to follow it, use JM Bullion to get the job done. With that, it's my pleasure now to bring our special guest on, Evan Dixon. Evan, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you here, man. Again, I was, I was telling you before we got started today, I'm sorry that I had to 
to, to drop out on that interview, uh, but I looked right. like somebody poured a bucket of water on me and the air conditioner in here was on 66 degrees. So yeah, uh, I don't blame you one bit. Yeah. Uh, let's start off with, before we jump into the radio subject, you probably weren't involved with radio your whole life. So what was kind of you, like your professional background before you had your website and you were doing your okay. workshops on radio and all that? Yeah, I, uh, I worked in technology. I was, uh, a software guy did the data side of our software company um, that I worked for prior to going down the entrepreneurial route. Um, so I analyzed data and made things uh, go faster that went really slow before I got my hands on them. That's basically what I've always done. Awesome, man. So how did you end up getting started into kind of doing this on your own and start yeah. to actually put radio package together, run a website, run workshops? Yeah, I I haven't always been into radio either, so I mean I I had to get there first and I had a guy that I worked with at one of the big banks. Um everybody that lives in the Charlotte, North Carolina area has to do a stint with the big bank. It's like a requirement if you're in technology. So while I was doing mine, one of my coworkers was a ham uh ham radio guy and he briefly mentioned it. It kind of caught my curiosity. And he was not one ounce of helpful to me. He was just interested. Um, so I went down the rabbit hole myself and I ended up, uh, getting into firearms training with tactical response of maybe 10 years later. And I became kind of this de facto radio guy for all the tactical guys who, you know, struggled with it. And they, as soon as they found out I had the background, they kind of latched on and looked to me to help get people set up. So, um, that was, I kind of just did that for fun alongside my career. And then, uh, I was at an event at, uh, at SOE, uh, John Willis's shop. And, uh, a buddy of mine was checking people out for the gear at John's shop. You know, they were buying belts and chest rigs and pouches and, um, he was checking them out. They kept bringing radios up, they were John's radios that were sitting out on the shelf and they kept trying to buy them. And, uh, so he kept having to tell guys like, no, those aren't for sale. For sale yeah. And soon enough, he was like, Evan, there's a gold mine here. Everybody wants to buy radios. I don't know what the deal is, but you should totally come do this. And so I bought a domain name, did a logo, you know, in the next couple hours and uh, off I was. And it turned out to be a pretty smashing success just basically the theory being make it easy for people to get started with radio instead of um, being intimidated or overwhelmed just hand them a package that does everything and uh, pick pick all the right stuff you don't have to buy it from 10 different places it's just in one package and uh, comes programmed ready to go people really loved it and uh, that's how it got started Okay, I'm going to have to pause just for a minute here then and yeah. beat my audience up across the head and shoulders a little bit because what <laughs> right. you just said there. This doesn't have anything directly to do with radio, guys. But how many times have you heard me give you impetus in a decade and a half of this show to get out and get shit done and to find an opportunity and to capitalize on it? That, what Evan just said right there, is exactly what the heck I am talking about. A matter of hours, a matter of hours. 
Instead of yeah. trying to do it absolutely perfect and let's go to an art firm and like, let's just get <laughs> this thing up and running and make the value proposition. Yep. So I'm not going to, we might even come back around to that at the end and talk a little bit about the sure. impetus to get entrepreneurship up and running. Yeah. But that you guys just heard that that was worth the price of tuning in today right there. So thank you for that, Evan, because that's what so Absolutely. many people, I hear these ideas. Why don't you do it? It's actually yeah. not that complicated to, to get some stuff up and running. So yeah, good talk on is, you, brother. Talk is cheap and action is where it's at for sure. And I've always been entrepreneurial, but never done it for a living. I've always had it as a fun money and side money. And it's interesting. This is kind of a divine uh, uh, movement in my life to get that started. It prepared me for the storm uh, that was coming a few months later. Uh, but even without that, right, just get get to value. Go exchange value in the world with your idea. Don't just talk about it or try to plan it and make it perfect. There's a healthy balance there, but nothing replaces time to market. Just get it get it to market. Awesome, awesome, dude. Again, man, that I couldn't have said that better myself, so I won't restate it yet again. <laughs> Let's talk a little about radios. There's a lot of people that when you start talking about radios, they pick up this little smartphone here and say, look, I can call anybody I want. I can group text yeah. anybody I want. I can get a Zello channel set up for my family, which, by the way, I'm not opposed to any of those things. But let's yeah. talk about some of the things that radios can do. Little boxes like this don't always do. Because it's not so much they can't yeah. do it. But they don't always do it. That's right. It's a, I talk about this in almost every talk I give in my classes is, we have, you know, these incredible little brain boxes that do amazing things. But as as things become simpler, they become more fragile and more incapable across other situations. Right. So, yeah, you have this amazing, miraculous power at your fingertips, but it goes away the second a piece of that infrastructure um, goes down. And I, I don't even mean cataclysmic Armageddon events. I mean, uh, you didn't pay your bill or you're in a dead zone or uh, you said the wrong thing and they flipped the switch in the database so you don't have an account anymore or any number of things or, that or could this happen. giant tower that's behind me back here with beautiful yep. I have the most beautiful cell reception on the planet yep. uh, a couple of years ago uh, it's the highest thing here yep so they got lightning grounding and all but like a big badass lightning bolt hit it <laughs> and it was a couple days before they were able to fix it Right. And it, it's nothing more than a radio. It's just a radio that operates a whole lot more in a sophisticated way than what we're talking about otherwise. But essentially what these do, what handheld radios do, you know, I've got one here. I've always got one nearby. Um, you own it, you control it, and it works as long as the laws of physics are still working. You can, you can talk to who you want to talk to and, uh, that's a really powerful thing. You know, what, what we're down to when cell phones stop working now is basically caveman communication, right? We've got yelling, walking, um, you know, uh, uh, fire signals and carrier pigeon, right? We, we have nothing. We don't have landlines. Yeah. We don't, we don't have anything, any alternative. So, um, I, I don't see them only as an alternative. I'm a huge advocate for integrating these into your life now. I think they solve real problems now that a phone doesn't solve, but they also work when phones don't. Um, so 
Yeah, yeah, eight men on the landline, dude. I have, I actually have a VoIP line as part of my bundle yep. package for internet and all. I don't even know the phone numbers. I've never used it. Yeah, I, I certainly don't have a landline. Right. Um, I guess Which when I was growing up, landline. Hot. My my landline jacks are hot onto that VoIP line because they have like a VoIP right. router yeah. in my uh, in my laundry room, and then yeah. it gets backfed into the landline. But exactly. I don't use it. I don't care. I don't. And, and it's not a landline. It's just no, voice over IP. So it's a, yeah. uh, you know, what when I grew up, I knew that when the power was out, we could pick up that phone yep. and call the neighbor, and it would work. And that does not exist now. You literally have no option. Um, so you know, there's always an exception, right? I'm sure somebody yeah. out there has one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But oh, there you go. Yeah, somebody already yeah. chiming in. And there's but another there are places you places you move these days that don't have it. It's not a choice. It's not an option. Um, well, and these, also, these are better heard, than that anyway. I've heard from a few people that since no one really uses them much anymore, they decide to get one and they call the phone. Come phone comes like, sure. And then when they go to install it, they end up like the service line or something's been cut. Sure. Because nobody's used it for 15 years. They didn't even sure. know and they have to run a new service line. So right. there are a few people with it. I ain't got one. You ain't got one. I, I right. can't justify the cost. And you can't pick it up and take it anywhere with you anyway. So, yeah. you know, there's no pay phones. Um, there's no oh, al- there's no alternatives now. So yeah. you got your phone. If you don't have cell or Wi-Fi, you got nothing. You yeah, got it was one phone. of the little hacks that was available when we had landlines, though. There's a very small amount of Neg 48 voltage mm-hmm. on, a, on a pair of that land. You could actually siphon off that power to do little things with. Yeah. That's gone, too. Um yeah, you kind of mentioned that it's like because when people are like, I want to buy a radio, I want to buy a radio. You go, there's a million places to buy radios, right? What do, what do you, you know, why are you, why are you, and I think it's because they don't know what to do with them. Yep. And so you mentioned you put yours in packages and they're That's pre-programmed. Right. So can you explain, you know, what do people get when they, when they get a radio from your, your place? Yeah, this was the one of the inspirations is I met dozens. I mean, dozens of people that have a closet full of radios that have not left the box or they left the box very briefly and went right back in. And they're, they're essentially like a good luck charm, which we know, we know these people, right? That accumulate good luck charms for when things go wrong. Uh, radio is not going to work that way. Um, they're, they're hard to set up. So, you know, what I've done is eliminate that barrier. The guy, if you're one of those guys that already has, you know, a, a tote full of Balfangs or whatever, um, and they're not programmed, they're not set up, you're not alone. Um, everybody listening to this has probably been in that position where you, you've looked at the YouTube videos, you looked at the books, and you thought, oh, my gosh, all I, all I wanted to do was talk to somebody. And, uh, never mind, right? And, uh, I solved that problem for you. You know, it's a, I put together not only the hardware you need, I pick all the right stuff so you don't go buy the wrong stuff or things that don't work together. You don't waste your money. One of my, uh, least favorite things to do in life is, uh, stair step my way up to the right thing, right? So you buy the wrong thing then slightly less wrong things until you finally arrive at the right one and you've spent 10 times what it would have cost to do it right the first time, right? I hate that. Um, so I just give you the easy path, right? It's the easy button to radios. They show up. Everything in the box works together. You get the most out of it you can, and it's programmed to your area, custom programmed. It's not some 
you know, run of the mill programming. I do it to your zip code and, uh, it works out of the box. So I'm, I'm sure there's people that maybe want something specific. Do you do any kind of like custom programming or anything Absolutely. like that? Basically it's, Put in an order notes if you know what you want. Uh, let me know, but I rarely, rarely get those notes, right? Yeah. But every, every once in a while, someone says, you know, give me this and that. Happy to do that for you. But chances are, if you have those requests, you probably already know what you're doing. Um, but, um, yeah, that's that's totally doable. And I've, I've gotten requests for, you know, can you add in my local fire department, that sort of thing to listen in on. If it's analog, we can do that. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, I can take special requests as well. But I have a kind of a method to the madness of how to squeeze the most into uh, the radio you're buying to make it the most efficient use of the memories. And so I, I stick with that generally, unless I get a special request. That's very cool. I, I love the idea of having everything ready to go. And because I'll tell you the other thing in the prepper space this makes me think of when you talk about people with radio sitting on the shelf or whatever. Um, The seed banks, right? All these people are going to buy a seed bank in a tube. And it's just a, it's a seed bank. It's a piece of PVC with a bunch of foil wraps. And they're going to put it away. Mm -hmm. And when the zombies come, they're going to pull it out and plant themselves a one and a half acre heirloom seed garden. Exactly. You are going to starve. And the seeds are largely not going to germinate after they've been sitting in your your uh, your garage with temperatures up in 120 degrees in the summer and sub-zero in the winter for 20 years before you pop it open. And on top of it, you don't know how to grow the freaking garden. Yep. Right. And there's the metaphor with radio, too. That's what I'm saying. Like, yep. if, if you're getting a radio that's ready to go out the box – you know, you should probably be getting more than one radio because one radio, unless you know somebody else that has one, doesn't do much for you. Right. So you take the family and you say, well, here's your radio and here's my radio and here's maybe one that sits on the, uh, the table like a base station in the house. Yep. And you start using it. Yep. So when you get to the point where you need it, everybody knows how to do it. Or if like you're putting a group together locally, your yep. group starts using it. Absolutely. Because if you don't do that, Knowing how to do a thing still is difficult in a crisis. That's why, like in the military, they called it stress-based training, where they would do whatever they could yes. while you were completing a task. Stress you out. To fuck with you, right? Yep. Like, I went through a combat lifesavers course, and you're going station to station, and there's two uh, instructors at each station and a casualty. Mm-hmm. And a casualty, a lot of times, was an actual human that was feigning certain things. And that way... When you said, like, you were checking for a sucking chest wound, the guy could tell you, I have one, or, you know, you could hear this, or you don't hear that, or whatever. And the one guy's just grading you, and the other guy's going, you're killing him. He's going to die because you're an idiot, you know. And they did that because they're like, when you're under stress, you have to be able to tune the stress out and do it. You can't learn a new thing under stress. You have to practice so you can complete it under stress. Yeah, the firearms trainer, uh, James Yeager, who, uh, who started Tactical Response, he would say something similar. You won't rise to the occasion. You'll rise to the level of training you've mastered, right? Correct. And, and that's absolutely true. I delivered my second child on the side of the road um, on, on our way to the hospital for the second time that day. And I know 
I've, I've never felt more stress. I, I oh. know, I know what it feels like for your hands that used to be very, um, dexterous to become flippers, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I know when your voice doesn't work anymore and your brain doesn't work anymore. Um, I would not be programming the radio while I'm dealing with that catastrophe, right? I could barely, barely handle you know, basic functions, right? So it's, uh, and I've had stress inoculation training, right? Like I've done, yeah, I've done some stuff, but I'm, I'm not there. So I wouldn't want to be learning it on the fly. No. Um, and I don't, you know, even knowing how to do it now, um, it would be a challenge to put it into practice under stress. And that doesn't have to be, you know, on the micro scale, it could be, you know, this is, we're long term under stress, right? Life, yeah. life is different now, but. Yeah. Well, and I had a sergeant army used to say very similar to what James was saying. He said, you will not under stress rise to your highest level of training. You will rise to your lowest level of training. Right. What you've kind of saying the same thing. The thing you can do in your sleep. Yes. That is going to be the thing you can do under stress. And so even if you had, like you said, stress inoculation training. Okay, that's great. So you know how to inoculate yourself in stress to a degree. But that's for the things you know how to do. Yep. It's totally different. Like I always say, can you do it? At 3.30 in the morning when it's freaking 15 degrees outside and it's sleeting and snowing and you're trying to do it with a headlight on or a pen light in your mouth. It's true. If you can't do it then, then you're not good enough at it yet. And it may not be that, like you're saying with Ray, it may not be that critical. But when you're worried, like, does my does my teenage daughter know? Absolutely. That that and both sides. And, and that's the other thing. Both sides. Well, and that's why radio is a superior solution for communication is to make this thing work. I turn it on where my index finger lands. That's where I press and I start talking. And then when I'm done talking, I let off the button. There's nothing to dial. There's nothing to say. There's no passcode. There's no bull crap. If it works, it works. Right. So it's, uh, it's very powerful. I've, I've talked to num numbers of people at events that have had, you know, homestead related accidents. I met a lady who was feeding her rabbits one morning, which I thought was fairly safe, right? I thought feeding rabbits was one of these low risk <laughs> sort of life, rabbits life choices. <laughs> but she, she slipped and fell and broke her ankle. Oh, okay. And, uh, she's laying there in the mud, no phone and no ability to call for help other than yelling and uh, nobody could hear her. And thankfully, her husband came out to check on her before he left for work. But you add 10 or 20 minutes to either side of that. Could have been a real bad day. Now, she probably yeah. wasn't going to die. But you can change the context there and you can imagine, right? So, I mean, just little things like that. Even if even if you do have your phone, if you're muddy and you're stressed out and you yeah. can't remember how to unlock it, your fingerprint's not working, what whatever it is, I mean, it's just a superior solution in a lot of ways. Just press the talk. And uh, I love hooking people up in that environment, just people that are running a simple homestead. They've got a small area they're trying to cover. They just want to be in touch, make life more efficient. And uh, it works really well for that. Even when when the world's still turning, things are going good, it's still a good solution. And we'll get into licensing here in a bit, but I'm sure there's some people that are probably thinking we're, we're on about ham radios and I'm yep. sure that's something you know how to use too, but we're really kind of sitting in the world mostly today from what I saw on your site, GMRS radios. And we can talk about what that is in a second, but can we talk about first kind of like 
what can these do that a CB or a walkie-talkie yeah. can't do? Because, like, you go on Amazon and you find these, uh, you know, FMRS radios or whatever, and they'll say, you know, communication for 11 miles. And, well, that's if it's completely flat. There's nothing in the way. The wind's blowing the right way. Yeah. The atmosphere is exactly the way it is. You hold your left foot up in the air, lick your thumb, and that's right. put a piece of an aluminum foil in your ass, and maybe you'll get that kind of distance out of yeah. it. And yep. you're actually lucky if you get like a mile in most situations. Oh, you're very lucky, especially if there's any obstruction. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, a couple of things there. You mentioned ham is something that that is a part of radio, but it is not radio, right? Ham is just a sliver or a slice of what's available to us. And I intentionally don't say that. I don't bring up ham. I don't. I don't throw that out there because I don't want to back us into that corner. There's sure. lots, lots of other options that do and don't require licenses. Um, and so speaking of licenses, I never mention licensing, right? I, I'm, and if I do bring it up, it's at the end of the conversation, not the beginning. And that's something you'll find. I don't introduce myself with a call sign. Um, if you meet somebody that does, that's not normal. Right. Like we don't, I don't give you my driver's license number or my passport number when I introduce myself. Um, if you go to a car dealership, um, they're going to show you cars and what they can do and why one is the right choice for you and the other might not be. Um, they don't they, go, hey, look, the VIN number on this is Alpha Delta Echo 399 or 58179. Well, like, they also not- don't spend an hour lecturing you that you're going to need a license to operate that vehicle, right? They assume. Yeah. Yeah, this person showed up to a car dealership. They're going to have some things to deal with that don't relate to is this the right car for you, right, and where yeah. they want. So I approach it that way. Um, so, you know, with that said, yes, if you want to do some things, they are going to require you to jump through some hoops. I can help you get there. That's not my passion. That's for that's for another time, really. But um, And if that concerns you, we can certainly take care of it. Um, there are options, especially for uh, the sort of things we're talking about around a homestead short range within a mile or two, where you can have very dependable, reliable comms with no license or with a very easy to get license. And um, what is important to me is you have a radio that can do a lot of things because the last the last thing I want is for you to have an artificial handicap meaning this radio can only do FRS or it can only do GMRS and it can't do the other stuff. Well, um, when the emergency comes, that's no help to anyone. So I'm very passionate about making sure you have the most capable thing in your hands possible so that when it counts, you've got it. And so the radios I ship can do everything. They can do ham, FRS, GMRS, MERS, um, and there will quickly come along someone here to tell us why that's not allowed. Um, but um, <laughs> that's what I do. So when yeah. you get a radio from me, it can do everything. Now, you don't have to use it for everything. There are certain parts of it you can use in daily life and save the rest for emergencies. Um, and that's what I recommend most people start with. But um, I want you to have incredible capability at your fingertips and I want to make it easy for you to get that. And, uh, the rest we can sort out later. Agreed. Agreed. Now on the, the, the license thing, let's just hit that out since we mentioned it. 
my understanding with GRMS, you, you, you technically need a license. And for those that are not on the video, listen to the audio side, I'm doing it big air quotes. But uh -huh. that license is like there's no test or anything. That's right. like, it's a, a form and That's right. a few bucks, right? It's $35 for 10 years, and it covers four levels up and down your family tree. So it's a... Uh, they're very serious about making sure everyone has one, right? It sounds like they're, they're really holding the door shut real hard on that. But, um, I have a guide on my site. If that's important to you, I've got a step by step guide. If you can believe it, the FCC's website is not that intuitive. So I know that's surprising. Um, but I've given you the, you know, the tips and tricks to survive that experience and get, you know, like when you click the drop down for the, type of license you want you would think for gmrs it would be in the g's right like it's it's down there down there under z um z a for for some strange reason so anyway I, i've got a guide there but you can pay 35 dollars for 10 years and it covers okay. your entire family um what's unique about gmrs is it overlaps frequency wise with the same frequencies you use in the Walmart blister pack radios, the walkie-talkies you buy, those are called FRS. Um, so there's actually not a discernible difference between the two over the air, right? So nobody really knows what you're using um, unless you make it known what you're using. So, you know, you can follow that as you, as you might imagine in your, in your mind what might, what conclusions you might reach from that fact, but, um, it, it's available. It's easy to get. There's no test for ham. There's a big test. It's not easy. If someone tells you it is, it's easy. They are not normal and they're, um, disconnected from reality for what the average person experiences in life. Uh, the ham test is a beast for most people and it's designed to keep out the riffraff. And I, I resent that about <laughs> it. Because um, what but, we're talking about is deciding that certain wavelengths of light are only available to be yes. used by certain people. Let's just put it in that perspective. I That's think right. there are two types of people in the ham space that say it's an easy test. There's the people that are just techno freaks yeah, you know, or smart. people that are like me. Like, I don't have to even understand it. I can just memorize the book and just pass the test. Like, I, yeah. But I think the other side of the older ones that remember the days where you had to do Morse code and the fact that yeah. took Morse code, to them that makes it easy because they took something out of it. That's true. You know, um, I just I'm very well acquainted with normal people and <laughs> um, and it's uh, it's terrifyingly difficult for people that really need this right. They, yeah. They could really put it to use. They're not dumb. Um, they're just not at the same level you know they're they're normal they're average and uh, the the idea of memorizing 400 some questions um, even if they don't understand it is a serious challenge now if you buckle down and do it you you probably could but you're gonna have to dedicate yourself to it it's not this is not just a, a weekend project or a couple yeah. nights. I mean, it's going to take you weeks or even months of. Well, if people have lives, they have jobs, they have kids. That you know, if they're homesteaders, yep. they got animals to take care of. I got That's all right. kinds of shit to get done in the next couple of months. And there's a point where you're looking at this book and going, I, I just, <laughs> I have things in my life that are more important than this. You know. Well, and the probably the most tragic part of it to me um, is that. Being able to pass that test has almost nothing to do with being able to use the radio. 
and uh, that's that's a real issue um, in my mind, right? It's designed. It's an entry level electrical engineering degree, essentially, where you have, and it's a regulatory thing too. You have to learn the rules and learn how electronics work, and then you can pretty much forget ninety percent of what you just crammed for um, once you want to start using it. So, I mean, my my path a, that I recommend to people is it's start, a gate, right? It's a gatekeeper. That's it is. What it is. It is, and I I see the value in that to some extent. I I don't want to say. You know, you just fling the door wide open. I could see the argument for keeping it uh keeping it hard, but here's my my challenge is I I want people to be empowered to solve real problems in their life, and I consider this life saving equipment. Mm-hmm. And um, thankfully, the powers that be have given us grand exception when there's a life saving measures in place that you're allowed to use this however you want in an emergency, right? That's actually written in the rules. So my recommendation is start with GMRS, get your chops, learn how radios work, figure out how to use them, practice with them, implement them in your life. And then when the emergency comes, it's as simple as using a different channel in the memory, right? So I've, I've got it there for you ready. And when, when the time comes that you need it, it's available to you. What I, I don't want you to do is not have it at all because you got intimidated or you got talked out of it or you got um, bullied by the gatekeeping, right? That's not okay with me. Well, and I, I think part of what makes Sam seem a little bit weird is just, it's just simply that radio is their thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is we all tend to have things that are our yeah. thing, right? So... I've described it as it freaking consumes your life because it becomes like you can see the guy's truck. He's got 87 antennas on it. Yeah. He's like, I'll get you started. I got like, he's got like a box of shit he hasn't used for 20 years. Right. He's always buying a new thing and all. That's and, right. and that's fine if that's you. But most of us, we just have lives to live. And to me, the GMRS stuff will do like 99% of what a normal person would want to do with the radio in peacetime anyway. Sure, right. maybe I'm not going to be catching signal bounced off the ionosphere from New Zealand. And I'm not even going to know that the conditions are right because I don't give a shit. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. But if I want to be able to communicate with my wife or my daughter or something like that, Within the limits of this communication, I can do so. Can you tell people kind of what is what is reasonable? Like, where if somebody called you up and said, "Look, I want to buy a set of radios. I'm running a neighborhood group or whatever." Yeah. Where would they get on? Kind, of, I know it varies because everything's affected by terrain and condition. But yeah. like, what would be the distance where you'd say this is not going to do that for you reliably? Like, kind of what can you expect? Well. It it depends on a lot of factors, but if you've got a handheld radio, you know, one of my kits, and you've got um, line of sight, you can go uh, one to ten miles, something in that ballpark. Right. Height, height makes might, so if you can put up an elevated antenna, either up in a tree, you know, nature has provided us these beautiful antenna masts in the south at least. Um, if you live in a desert, you might have a different, different can of worms there, um, but... You know, if you can get your signal up higher, you can reach a lot further. If you can add power with a mobile um, mobile radio, which I also have, that's going to extend your range 
significantly, you know, and then if you have repeaters that you can tap into, think of a repeater as a, a network that you can use to make your radio more powerful, give it more range. Um, those are in a lot of public areas, um, a lot of, you know, metro areas. Um, those extend your range up to 50 miles. I spoke 93 miles yesterday um, on top of Grandfather Mountain here behind me. Um, to another guy in um, Indian land, South Carolina, through a repeater in Charlotte. So, um, you know, and that was on this radio just as it as it sits. Now, that's not achievable if you live you live down in a gulch or a valley or a holler or whatever they call it in your part of the world. And somebody else lives on the other side of a mountain from you. That's not not how it work, uh, not how it works. So lots of factors there. But um Especially within a small community, they are excellent, and there's mm. usually a way to make it work uh, within a reasonable distance, a few miles. There's typically a solution there. Um, so, yeah. Well, I mean, the person that's running a homestead is 20, 30 acres, and they want to make sure that they also, everybody on the homestead has comms with each other. This is That's a cakewalk, then. It is as long Especially as if we put an not, antenna up, like you said. Oh, yeah. If you can get something up on the highest point to serve as the repeater station, um, that certainly overcomes some of the challenges with, you know, peaks and valleys in the terrain. But if you have a fairly flat or, you know, a central location there, uh, that overcomes line of sight challenges. There is no replacement for, you know, all the talking about theory and what should work. Yeah, there's yeah, no right. replacement for get it and try it. Um, things that should work don't, and things that don't, that should not work do um, with radio when you get out and try it. So you got to get out and try it. Um, but that's a general idea. I think this is one of the big things, too. Ravenwood is just repeating what you said, the GMRS, you can have repeaters. There's a lot of the that's unlicensed, true. in fact, as far as I know, all the unlicensed radio you can't use a repeater that's true without a license it's not the it's not that it won't work it's not that you can't it's not you're not allowed you're able yeah. but not allowed yeah yeah you're Where expected to using, identify yourself with a call sign that's how they know yeah mm -hmm. but if we're using jmrs and we have that little whatever it was fifteen dollar twenty dollar whatever it is for ten year license then we right. can use repeaters that's on right. those frequencies we just can't go into the Ham bands of light. That's right. Now, anytime you're using other people's stuff, um, you're using other people's stuff. I think yeah. this comment is pointing that out. Yeah. I discourage people from making that your only solution, right? So if, if you can do a, you know, a chain where you can link to another person, they can pass the message along. I would have that as an alternate, at least to a repeater. Um, instead of depending entirely on someone else's equipment uh, that runs on grid power, or maybe it even has backup power, uh, they can they can turn it off. They can uh, change the configuration. It can break. You know, lots of if you don't own it, it's not yours. So, radio is uh, definitely definitely similar to that when as cell phones or any other infrastructure you're depending on. So keep that in mind. And since we are in the most of these questions, guys, put question at the beginning, so I know it's a question. That's right. Put question in all caps, and we'll start for Q&A at the end. We can hit this one here. Who owns the repeater? Well, whoever puts the repeater in, right? Yeah. So we That's can right. have on our, like, let's say on our property, we can put in our own repeater for our own yep. use. 
you can. Um, there's commercial repeaters that are dedicated to a business. Um, there's public repeaters for GMRS or for ham, usually owned by a club or an individual. Um, yeah, and some are private too. So private in the GMRS world means it's not publicly documented, but you could still technically use it. Um, you're just not invited to use it. So if you're on the frequency that it's on and you're there, it's going to do it. That's right. Right. You, it's you'd need the right tone or code to make it key up, but yeah. that's that's achievable if you just know what you're doing. So okay. The key the key being there, they are miraculous, right? They do amazing things, but much like your phone is miraculous, um you're dependent on other people's stuff to make it work unless you're not, unless you own it. Okay. Um, but yeah, keep that in mind for sure, not something you want to build your whole plan around somebody else's repeater. But good training solves a lot of problems. So yep. this is all making me think. I, I was a kid in the 70s and 80s. I'm old, right? Old Gen X. Um, yep. In the late 70s and early 80s, probably one in 10 vehicles had a CB antenna sticking out of it. I mean, CBs yep. were, it was, it was the fad of the time. Everybody had it. People would put on channel one nine, listen to the truckers and talk yep. to each other and what have you. And, it, we had all our vehicles had them, and it was common that you might be able to reach somebody, let's say, in your family, but not the person you wanted to talk to. But they were closer than you were, and so you would tell that person a thing, and they would pass it on. Yep. Um, and so on, like a larger homestead or something, there's always the chance maybe you can't reach the house. Right. You can, you can reach relay. Cousin Billy, and Cousin Billy can get you the information you need. So I think good training solves a lot of problems. And that's where having the equipment and putting it into use on a regular basis is going to change the game, right? So, I mean, with one of my local crews, we do a monthly check-in. So we're testing. That's not just for the sake of going through the motions. Does my gear work? Have have conditions changed? Um, have, have I lost the configuration in my radio? You know, you're checking to make sure everything works. And you're checking to make sure you're competent enough to do it, you know, once a month. It's going to be muscle memory after a year. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of value in getting those reps in. Awesome, man. So, hey, um, can you talk a little bit about some recent collaborations you've done? You mentioned SOE. You can maybe expand on that. I know Wrangler sure. Smart, he was on the show years ago. Great dude. Really? I think you've worked with both of them. Yeah, I had him on, God, seven, eight years ago. Very cool. Yeah, I've done, uh, I've been blessed to have been invited to do some of these collaborations first with John. And um, when John found out that I lost my job and I was doing this full time, um, I, I had pitched the idea to him, Hey, you build a pouch for the radios and let's sell it with my kit, you know, and we did almost 200 of them in a week, um, to SOE customers. Amazing, um, shot in the arm for me as I was, kind of transitioning out of a, I call the paycheck plantation over, over to live in my own life here. And then, uh, through, through some other connections ended up getting, getting in with Wrangler star to do something similar. We had John at SOE build some pouches and took, took the kit, made it into a three radio kit, which the idea is here's a pouch that has all the stuff that I, when I show up somewhere, I can hand out two radios. I've got my own and I have, I have a ready to go radio kit for wherever I find myself, right? Really oriented toward the, 
professional homeowner, as he calls it, right? The guy who's getting stuff done and needs to solve a problem. This is not end of the world. This is, hey, we're, we're going, we're renting some heavy equipment and we need to communicate between the skid steer and the excavator and the dump truck, right? And so here we go. I got the kit. Um, so we built those kits and sold, um, about 175 of those. And we're about to do another run of that here in the next week or two. So just had amazing opportunities with other content creators um, to get products out there in the hands of people, really in the hands of people that didn't even know it was available to them. Right. That's the stuff that I love is being able to introduce somebody who never considered this as an option and really, really open up their world a little bit to solve a problem that they were struggling with. Um, I love that. So that's, that's what we've awesome. been doing. Is there any, like, I noticed you have some radios on your site that are, they look like a digital CB, basically. They're mobile uh-huh. radios, like for mounting in a vehicle. That's right. Can you, can you talk about, beyond the fact that, obviously, the power is always there because it uses power from the vehicle. Beyond that, what are the advantages of that other than shaking a mobile with you? Yeah, so the we call in the radio world these are called handhelds or HTs, the the five or so watts. Um, when you step up to a mobile which runs on twelve volt power, you're getting typically in the fifty watt range. So um, now power in radio follows um, a different. <laughs> A different scientific method from uh, doubling the, or you know, if you 10x the power in your car, like you go from a a moped to a Corvette, yeah, right. You're moving a lot faster, right? When yeah. you 10, 10x the power on a radio, it's not quite the same, right? Okay. So, so there are uh, there are some advantages for sure. You can overcome, um, you know, obstacles such as buildings, walls, leaves, foliage. That kind of stuff, you're not, no amount of power is going to shoot through a mountain, right? So, um, there, there are some folks that get deceived by the power claims kind of in the marketing hype. I always caution against that. Uh, more power doesn't necessarily solve your problem, but it does solve some problems that can only be solved, uh, by adding power, right? So with a mobile rig in a vehicle, you've, you can overcome line loss. So if you're running something way up a tree, you know, the signal degrades as it goes over that piece of coax. Um, so adding more power in the situation can help you overcome that loss. And generally they make it through, you know, like I said, other obstructions that aren't the earth. So, um, and is there radios like that that maybe, you know, mobile, obviously you're limited in power. That's part of it because right. you only have so much power. Like you can even have a battery that's a back. That's right. Like, like my, my first cell phone I used to joke was a, a, a prick radio in the army that had to hump around like a, a backpack, right? And most of it was battery. So you yep. ain't going to have that. Are there, let's say like, you know, call them a desktop or something that you keep in like, if you again back to a homestead that stays in the house. That's right. It, right. And it has that additional power as well. And maybe you throw an antenna up on the roof of the barn. And yeah. now we've got kind of better coverage. Well, you'd be surprised how small the battery systems are now, but, but you do need 12 volt power to run a mobile or, or a base station, what you're probably referring to. That's what I'm referring to. Um, I try to keep everything mobile. Okay. As far as if I have a radio, it being bolted down to a disc is not much value to me if I need to leave. 
So I like to at least have it in a go box or in a Pelican case or in a, um, in a man pack bag, which is something I've developed in mind. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you've got more variables there. So one of your downsides is going to be if it, if you can grab and go, everything changes every time you grab and go. Right. So mm-hmm. you've, you've got more variables. So, uh, we try to limit that as much as we can, but yeah, you got one of the man pack bags up there. What the, the theory behind in my car, I can run it in this bag with a battery with I need to make it work. And now I can, I can take it to the car, but I can also go hiking with it or I can leave it on the desk wherever it needs to live. Instead of buying three or four radios, I buy one that fills all those contexts. So that's the theory there. Man packs have been around since, you know, the, the early days of radio. You used to have to carry them. There was no handheld. Oh yeah. Available, but now it's, it's just more powerful. There was even the uh, some of the original cell phones were basically a cell phone powered right. by a big ass battery. I, I had one due to a job that I had at one time, and it was okay. it was about as big as that is, and it was just for a cell phone. I, yeah. I didn't particularly care for it. I I didn't I didn't particularly care for the one exercise I had to be the radio guy uh, <laughs> carrying that piece of crap around with That's me. Right. I, I, you know, I kind of commiserated with my dad's generation thinking back to Vietnam and that these guys were actually getting shot at during that. Uh, yeah, so it they, used to be, I assume it used to be one guy's job to just carry that, right? Like, yeah. That. Yeah. And usually you weren't the operator. Your, your, your commander was, you know, your, your, your field officer was the, the, the guy that actually used it. He just didn't carry the damn thing. That's right. Because right. <laughs> yeah. so the primary borrowed... purpose was like to call in fire and shit like that. And they don't let That's a freaking. Right private first class do that but you can carry the radio if your skill is carrying heavy things we don't make you make decisions also right yeah 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 but this is borrowing from that and taking something that's intended to be mounted in a car and now we've made it mobile right and it's called a mobile radio but they're not very mobile um so this gives you a place to put all of it so so and we're talking about for people that are wondering, we're talking about radios like that. So that's right. What you're saying is that these radios that kind of remind me of a, a CB with a removable face that's um, right. could be bolted into a vehicle, but yes. have no need to be bolted into a vehicle. That's right. That's right. You could bolt it anywhere. And they all part of what the mobile aspect is, is they've all been designed around this 12 volt power system, which is what right. all, all vehicles put out from the alternator so uh, 12 volt power one of the beauties of that is you can go find a way to get that radio to work if you can find a lawnmower a motorcycle um, a golf cart anything with 12 volts i can make that radio work so um, yeah it's pretty yeah, cool i mean there's even the deer feeder batteries i make six and 12 volt deer, deer feeder That's battery right. about People can't see on the audio, but about yay big for those on the video. Yep. Uh, I have several of them here I use for playing around with stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, a little bitty solar panel, and, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to top it up quick or anything, but you can you can figure out a way to stay in communication with That's the right. system if you want. It's like uh, it, the reason I recommend a 12-gauge shotgun is if you're, if you're going to find shells, they're probably going to be 12-gauge. The reason mm-hmm. I recommend – Double A batteries is what you standardize as much as you can on for the stuff that uses regular batteries is all the free, all those lawn lights and shit that are out there. They're all double A's, right? That's so right. Like, uh, and eight, eight double A's is 12 volts. Yeah, there's another 
that's a very good point. That's a yep. very good point. Yeah. Um, what can we talk about? Maybe some common implementation of radios on a homestead because I think what people, what gets people to take this step is yes, if there's an emergency, I have this thing. But what does it do for me now? Like the whole tagline of my show is if times get tough or even if they don't. It's the clunkiest damn marketing phrase ever. It was the only thing explained yeah. what I'm really trying to teach people. So if I grow a garden, yes, I have food if the grocery store ain't open, but I eat better and I eat for less yeah. money, right? Yeah. So what are some implementations that people can use right now on their homesteads with this type of equipment? Oh, it's so similar to that. So similar to what you're saying about the garden. Um, just imagine the times where it's not ideal to be using your $1,200 touchscreen device okay. um, to make communication with another person, right? So, I mean, I, I love to use these, number one, between vehicles. Uh, me and my wife often are in separate vehicles because we have three kids, and I'm usually pulling a trailer when we're on a trip. She has the minivan. I've got the truck. Um, we have instantaneous hands, well, eyes-free communication, right? Press to talk, pull the mic up to your mouth and start talking. There's no notification to miss, no ringer to miss, um, no vibration to miss, right? It's instant audible communication, just just like a police officer or a firefighter, anyone like that would be using. There's a reason they have kept radios as a primary means of communication um, for the simplicity and the reliability, right? So around the homestead, most of my customers on the homestead, this is literally a part of their EDC. When they leave the house, a radio goes with them, and that is their lifeline back to the other people on the homestead. If I need a hand with something, I need uh, I need you to get something for me, whatever that is. This is our way of uh, of communicating. It's nothing that you could not accomplish with a cell phone. It's just a more efficient way of doing it, and you don't have to put your expensive gear at risk either, which I think is huge. Um, you know, when you were talking about times you don't really want to use your expensive phone. There's times it just doesn't work. So sure. we've all been out doing something and our hands are wet because it's raining, because it's snowing, because we were working on the PVC pipe that broke and someone tries to contact you on the cell phone and you're doing this. Yep. Or you and got it, gloves on. It won't. Yeah. Or it's cold. So you got gloves on, you know, yep. and it won't freaking you can't dial, you can't hit pause, you can't hit answer. It's like you're not human. It doesn't recognize right. that you exist. That's right. And so the fact that with a radio, if you can depress a button, yep. you can calm. I think that's a, that's a huge value. The other thing is the direct communications. I think if you haven't experienced it, you may not realize how convenient it really is. Yeah, you won't uh, get it till you try. Uh, what it makes me think of is even a cell phone technology. Back in the day, there was the Nextel cell phone radio yep. combo. Yep. And we, I was running uh, outside plant construction crews. We were doing underground work at the time. And to be able to key up and have every single person in your group hear you at one time, right? Yes. And, and, and so I need, to he I need to hear from somebody right now what's going on on that job site. It's a broadcast. But you could also, like, the guy that's late for work that you gave a next tell to and you're like, where the F are you? Why aren't you here? Instead of calling him and he can say he didn't get the call. You're like, Bobby, where are you? Right. Uh -huh. And that was really convenient as well. And we actually found like that was the real early days of cell and the repeater technology they were using in Nextel as well. Like we had bucket trucks. We did underground and aerial. 
And yep. there were times we couldn't get anybody. We'd go up in a bucket truck. Yeah. Like you said, height is your advantage. And you just, you know, it makes money. That's just right. With 15, 16 foot. You could get up in that bucket truck. Oh, that can make a huge money. difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the key to it is if there's auditory or visual obstruction, right? Meaning I can't see it or I can't hear it from where I'm at. It solves the problem. Right. And that might mean you're on the other side of this wall. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't it doesn't mean you're miles away. It could just mean it's a, and it's a whole lot more. Um, convenient than a cell phone in a lot of cases. And, and not to mention, most of us that own property, right, the reason we could afford that property is because it's somewhere where there's not a lot of people. Yeah. And when there's not a lot of people, there's not a lot of cell phone coverage, right? It just comes with the territory. So um, if even if you have okay cell phone coverage, you probably commonly find yourself somewhere where that is not the case. And uh, that's that's solved by this as well. You own the infrastructure. It, it works between the two devices with no dependence on other people's stuff. So uh, it's it's insulated from those consequences in a way. Absolutely. Um, what are some maybe some preparedness minded minded folks kind of ways that they would use radio? Um, this is near and dear to my heart because it's uh, it's one of the reasons I got into it. Right. So you know. A radio beyond using it for two-way communication, it's a listening device, right? It's an information gathering device. So part of what I emphasize with people that get all hung up about licensing is you don't have to have any license to listen to any radio frequency, right? And that is one of the most powerful things about the radio. You can know what's going on. Um, If you can hear it, you can listen to conversations, And that goes both ways, right? So if you're having a conversation, someone can be listening to you. Um, But as far as that goes, it's one of the most powerful things about radios. It's an information-gathering device. And so you may really want to be listening uh, to certain frequencies at certain times when things are not good in the world, right? That would be very valuable. Now, when things are good in the world, you might want to hear weather alerts. You might want to um, listen in on... Um, your local traffic on your uh, emergency frequencies or whatever that may be. But um, for a preparedness person, that's something you may not have thought about is the fact that I can have intelligence um, from this, and, uh, and that doesn't require a lot of sophistication. It could be as simple as set the thing on scan and um, just listen. And do you, do you do dedicated scanners, or you just say learn to use your radio as a scanner? I am considering getting into actual scanners. I have not yet. Um, these radios, for the stuff I'm talking about, what you're going to be able to hear are um, other repeaters. You know, if people are di- discussing things on your local repeaters, um, you'll have that. You'll have your NOAA weather stations, which are nationwide broadcast weather. And then you'll have the common simplex frequencies, which are your GMRS, your two meter, 70 centimeter stuff that people typically are going to use to have private conversations. Um, so, you know, we can program all that in, but a scanner, really a dedicated scanner is far more powerful as far as finding things quickly and being able to decode and decrypt 
um, especially emergency communication between police, fire, EMS, that sort of thing. So I don't currently do that. But as far as hearing regular people talking to other regular people, these radios will do that just fine. Okay. And uh, that's the intelligence I'm referring to, if that makes sense. No, it does. I like the idea of listening to like the first responders, the police, all of that, too, because... It isn't just, hey, shit's going on. I need to know what they're talking about. It's that if you make a habit of doing it, a lot of times situations that become problems have a building period. Absolutely. If you're accustomed to what the intelligence community would call chatter, you know, like any pattern you observe, you notice subtle changes in the pattern leading up to something that's much bigger. And the time to know is is, is far before the issues you can. It makes me Absolutely. think a lot of these cities that ended up erupting into violence a couple of years ago. I guarantee if you were paying attention to the chatter, you'd notice some big changes. You'd notice some things were not quite. And that's what Jim Merkel's saying here. You know, you want to know where the criminally inclined are hanging out. Radio is your friend. And I think that also would be like, let's say you've identified because you paid attention to it for a few years where the bigger problems are. Well, when there's yeah. a macro problem, the micro problem areas are worse. So now, you know, don't go to these places. That's true. And you're going to pick some of that up on the local repeaters. I mean, you can think of yeah. these as alternative social media um, gatherings for people that like radio, right? They're going to talk about their life. They're going to talk about everything going on. And you'll pick up some stuff with from regular citizens as well. Um, but I totally agree. If you now, now the key there is, I mean, listen in on your on your uh, police scanner someday. Just pull it up on broadcastify.com or something. It's very hard to understand, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're fast. They use lingo and abbreviations and ten codes, and so Correct. you're you're gonna have to study that for quite a while to have anything valuable from it. And uh, that's its own can of worms. But as far as um, as far as the usefulness, if you did have that, I totally agree. If you notice changes in the pattern, you know, during the summer of love a few years ago, you probably would have known where where the lovely ones are marching tonight, right? And you could avoid that. So I think I think that's very valuable. Awesome, awesome. So um, you do like consultation and area study, like if people want something done beyond just the that's right package. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so I mean, if you're listening to this and you're like, "Gosh, I don't, I still don't know where to get started. I'm overwhelmed. I, I'm glad that you could get me a package, but how do I know what's going to work or what to buy? I'm still overwhelmed." Um, there's a product at the bottom of my page um, called an off-grid comms consult. You can buy a half hour, or an hour, or a half day, or a full day in person. I'll do it virtually or in person. Yes, I will literally come to your homestead and help you plan. Um, and the idea there is not for me to exploit you for um, your time. I actually apply whatever the consultation cost is. Part of it goes to just what you buy. So it's not purely um, paying for the time. But the idea here is um, my time's limited. If you want to talk to me and you really want to go down the rabbit hole, um, this is your your uh, I'm gatekeeping my schedule, so to speak. So. You better. Yeah. Well, I had to. It was yeah. this was the the invention of necessity here. I started, you know, when I started going on podcasts and stuff with this, you can imagine the emails I would get. And so this is just a, a way to get to the front of the line. 
to get my help. Um, and I'm happy to help put together exactly what you need. That's most likely going to solve your problem. So you can, you can go on there and buy that. I'll set up a time with you just to do a zoom call or cool. in-person thing. I've gone to homesteads and set stuff up for folks, uh, all across the Southeast. And then I'm traveling for classes now too. So if you're somewhere near, near there, we could do it in person, but virtual works pretty well. I'll just tell you people, um, in general, this applies to Evan, but it applies to anybody that does any type of remote consulting. When they say, I'm going to be in this area and that area is near you, if you're <laughs> going to ever do it, that is the time. Nick Ferguson does it all the time with permaculture consulting. Yeah. That is the time to do it because there's a reason that somebody says, well, that's going to be 2500 bucks, or that's going to be $10,000 depending on where you are. There is a cost associated not just with getting to you, but not being home. I, I tell people yep. that all the time. But why don't you come speak here? It's a great opportunity. Well, my speaker fee is going to be five grand for that. And I'm yep. like, what? But you don't know how many people you're going to. Look, I reach a lot of people anyway. And you're <laughs> taking me out of my business for a week. Well, it's a two-day event, but I got a day to get there. I got a day to get back. I got to deal Absolutely. with Absolutely. And people don't understand that until you ask them to do it. And then, oh, I see now, right? Imagine you had to quit. You had to take time off your job. For those that have a job, you have to take time off your job, but there's no such thing as PTO or vacation time. Right. You're just not working. That's when you take an entrepreneur out of his business, he might have residual income and all, but all the things he would do that week to generate from his business, he's not doing it. So he's going to charge you what it's going to cost him. Yeah. And that's just a reasonable thing to do. But now if I've already committed to something and I'm going to be in the area and you're 15 miles away, I can handle that kind of like it was local now. So never fail to capitalize on that if you can. Yeah, I just went to Idaho um, and taught in near Boise and Kuna, Idaho, (coughs) and also in Missouri. And if you would have seen my setup, excuse me, (laughs) if you would have seen the setup I took with me on this trip to run my e-commerce business from the road, um, it would have, I, I took some pictures and sent them to John Willis and said, here's, here's what I'm going to show people next time they tell me they can't do something. Hmm. I, I had nine 27 gallon totes with all my inventory, a label printer, tape gun boxes, packing material, you know, everything. I'm shipping packages from a different post office every day um, while I'm on the road, right? But that that is, a, that is a labor of love and blood, sweat, and tears, right? But you're absolutely right. The, the pain and suffering to, yeah. to take that show on the road is not cheap. So, um, And I, I hope to someday have a staff of people that can keep things running for me when I go on my adventures. But for now you're looking at the staff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much the way things are going to stay for me. Now you've got, um, a course coming up. I'm going to be in the same place the day after your course ends. Um, but it's a zero to hero, uh, operator course. And it is being done by John and, uh, Nicole sauce. That's right. Uh, at, at, at SRF as part of the whole thing. Uh, you want to talk about kind of what those courses entail? Yeah. And go ahead and pitch your other ones because I know you've got like a road show going right now. That's right. Yeah, so you can check out on my site where I'll be, but if, you, if you're if you coming to Self-Reliance Festival, this is the one to do. It's uh, 
it's a little bit of an upgrade from the standard class. You're going to take some radios home with you. Um, and, and of course the, the things oh, that, that, that's the great. Thing, the things that are on the shoulders of the radio as far as schedule wise are another good reason to be there, but essentially it's in the name. So zero to hero radio operator means you show up. You don't need to bring anything, including any previous knowledge. And, um, you're going to walk away with a heroic level of competence, um, compared to where you started for sure. So, um, it's a very broad class. It is not designed for nerds. It's not designed for high IQ people that have already got their ham radio operators license. It's designed, um, to empower the normal average everyday person to use these effectively. Um, but it's no slouch. I mean, it, it covers a wide range of stuff. We go pretty deep into theory, but I, um, if you're listening, you've kind of heard, um, my vernacular. You've, you've gotten to know me of how I communicate. You know, the course is taught by me. It's, it's taught for, um, a common person with common metaphors and analogies and ways to make, help you understand the concepts and not only lecture, but hands on scenario based training, right? So we're going to take the radios and go do stuff with them in class and you're going to see the miracle that they are um, through those scenarios and the usefulness of them. So you're going to, you're going to walk away um, very empowered and it's worth, worth that. Um, and this is what you'll take home with you. I'll so, say my brilliant powers of deduction, $129. That's right. So, so I the, look for the $120.9 product on your website. That's and right. I'm thinking I found it. Yeah, that's called a clue. You got the clue. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you walk away with the radio kit that's kind of our bread and butter, um, essentials kit that most people start out with. I don't normally send, um, students home with it but you'll get that as a part of your class fee um, along with some meals and stuff like that. So um, if you're not able to get to Tennessee, I'm teaching it all over the country and I'm looking for class hosts all over the country. So um, I am in a season of saying yes ah. to, to most opportunities that float past me. So if you can get six to 10 people together to pay for a class, I'll give you a free spot as a host and uh, I'll come to a city near you. Um, but I've already got quite a number of options there. And like I said, just got back from being on the road out to Idaho. So North Carolina to Idaho and back is no joke. Um, I'm willing willing to go where you are. I, I would bet, too, like you said, you don't usually give the radio as part of the course. I can certainly understand that because, one, it keeps the cost down per right. student, right? Uh, other people might have gear already or whatever, That's but right. I, I would say that it probably wouldn't hurt your feelings none that if somebody was going to be part of that class, if they ordered the gear to just let you know, hey, don't ship it. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like so if somebody wants to buy gear and you're going to do a class, you're going to bring the gear and then That's you right. don't have to pack it and they don't have to pay for shipping. Yeah, the end of class usually becomes the flea market portion of class where oh, I, I pull okay. out my wares and you can – but I – my, I love when people don't have anything yet because we get to we get to show you why you would want something before you've spent any money. Mm-hmm. And if if you ever get the opportunity to do that in any context, you should. Right. If you can go use somebody else's stuff who's an expert, let them equip you for a class um, and then make your purchases. You will save money. You'll save a lot of money in 
I think in any context. So firearms, gardening, radios, whatever it may be, go take a class, then buy your stuff, not the other way around. I even say that with guns, like almost, especially handguns, almost any common handgun that you would buy, you know, not something really super specialized or whatever, but it's like two, three, nine or a Glock 19. You can go to a range. You can give a guy 15 (laughs) bucks plus the range fee and the ammo and rent the gun and spend some time on it and shoot it. That's right. Because like I had figured out the gun my wife needed until she shot it and hated it. Hmm. Right. And so it was 15 bucks to figure out. Don't buy that. That's right. You know, uh, she's like, it hurts my hand. I'm like, that hurt your hand. It hurts my hand. Yes, honey. (laughs) You're right. That's exactly what we go through with classes. We, we hand out radios to everybody and I proceed to demonstrate why you probably don't want to buy that radio, to be honest. You know, that's what, that's what we spend two days realizing is a Baofeng UV5R. It has its place. Um, but I'm going to make you suffer through um, using that for two days, and then I'll introduce you to some some wonderful solutions that cost a little bit more. But you're gonna you're gonna understand why it's hard to make the case if you don't understand. And so yeah. when you when you've suffered with it for two days, um, you get it. And I, I do. I sell a lot of them. I think they're great handout radios. I think they're great backup radios. It's not something I would stake my life on. Um, but, I, you know, they have their place and we we run class with them. Um, but that's a big part of it, too, is I'll help you see why it will hurt your hand, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so then in my power of deduction, say so you might move somebody up to what's sitting on the screen right now. That's right. Yeah. Something higher quality. It's going to have weather resistance. It's going to be easier to program higher, higher quality signals. Um, just everything about it is more of a pleasure to use. But. It costs three times as much, so you know you get what you pay for. Much, much like any other, any other context, uh, the radio is no exception. Um, but I'll prove to you why, you know. And if you <laughs> if you don't think so by the end of it, then carry on. Right? Carry on with your bath thing, right? Yeah, that's right, dude. This has been great, and and the website we've been showing, all everybody knows that radiomadeeasy.com. You also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and a YouTube. That's right. I already have all of those plugged into your uh, your show notes for today, the audio Thank show you. notes, and so people can just look up episode thirty three sixty four at the survivalpodcast dot com. In those show notes as well is the link over to Self Reliance Festival, and I'd love to meet you. I'm sure Evan would love to meet you, and you can meet other cool people like my buddy David, who I'm always talking about, and Nicole Sauce, and John Wilson, all those folks yep. up at Self Reliance Festival. You could go to selfreliancefestival.com, but if you heard about it here, go use my link and then give me a couple yeah. bucks or whatever. I don't even know what Nicole gives me, but whatever it is, I'll take it when it shows up. Um, right. and, and the other thing is you wanted to throw out today for everybody listening uh, a discount code that they can use, right, where they can Absolutely. get a little bit of money off on some gear on your site. Yeah, so if you're if you're wanting to get started, you want to take a class or you want to buy something, uh, buy a package that will be ready for you, turnkey, um, you can use code uh, TSP10, that's Tango Sierra Papa 10 at my site, radiomadeeasy.com. This give you 10 bucks off any purchase over 100 bucks. So, I mean, not, not going to change the world here, but I'm also going to give Jack a little kickback um, for having me on. So use that just to show your support for what Jack's doing. Mainly, if you want to buy something, save a little money and make a little for him. And uh, that's my thank you for listening.
you know, when you said Tango Sierra Pop, it made me happy. It's one of those weird little things I still have from my military days. Yeah. Where when I'm listening to, because I listen to the cops and shit, and they're like, you know, uh, the, the license plate is B is in boy, and I'm like, oh, why? Yeah. Why, why do y- y'all are cops? I, 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 it doesn't bother me when I hear somebody else do it. It's like, you're a cop, or you're an EMT, or something That's like that. That's right. Can you not memorize the freaking phonetic alphabet? There's a reason we standardize things so that you're also not going, well, did he say boy or coy? I mean, you know. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm trying to do the eat my own dog food thing there when I spell things. You know, I teach yeah. people this in class. I got I to practice what I preach. But phonetic alphabet is definitely on the list of things worth learning if you ever have to spell things with your voice. We're going to take some Q&A, but just from our earlier conversation about a Prick 77 that I used to there you go. Uh, from FTX, is it, that's that's <laughs> the radio in the Army in the 80s and 90s. And they, these go right back to Vietnam, but we were still using them in wow. the early 90s. Uh, I cool. walked through the jungles of freaking Panama with that thing, and it, wow. it barely worked, too, but uh, <laughs> they <laughs> Freaking fun! Let's let, let's take some Q and A, but I'm going to start out first. We talked about repeaters. I don't see anything about that really on your side. I see some antennas and stuff. Is that something you would help people with, or would you just kind of recommend a certain thing, or would you get involved with that at all? Yeah. So some of the mobile units that I offer actually can serve as a crossband repeater. So um, the FTM 300 on my site is capable of that. So I've used that at some homesteads as a, a location central location with an elevated antenna to okay. serve to serve that purpose now if you want a commercial quality um repeater we can certainly go the ftm 300 um also the t8 the the less expensive one there can also do it so several of the mobile radios are capable okay. of that um and you've got that as an option they're not intended for continuous use in that way so it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish you can factor in probably three to five thousand dollars for a real repeater Um, but these radios can can serve that purpose to some extent just in and of themselves so that's part of part of what i often am helping people with in those consultations and, and, you know, no entrepreneur is big on downselling, a, you know, a fee or an equipment or whatever. But I think there's also a case for, like, if you have, like, a 40-acre homestead or something, before you worry about a couple thousand dollars for some sort of repeater, try the equipment yes. that you would be using along with the repeater without the repeater. Because you yep. can add the repeater, but you can't send it back. Yep, that's true. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't want it anymore. Well, it's yours now. I suggest eBay. <laughs> yeah, right? That's right. You know? Yeah, there's no replacement for getting out there and trying it. K Bonk is asking, can it? And I'm not sure exactly what's up. Can it be programmed for home and bug out zip codes? Why, why? Yeah, I can do multiple locations. One of the big downsides with the cheaper radios is they have fewer memory spots, right? So a Baofeng has 128 memories. I can generally fit 88 repeaters after I've added all my other stuff. So 88 sounds like a lot. It's not. Okay. Um, so, you know, the Yesu I keep holding up has a- almost a thousand memories, right? So now we're talking, I can put in multiple geographic areas. I could put in entire interstate lengths, right? Stuff like that. So, um, if you need multiple locations, I would say to do it well, either dedicate a less expensive radio to each location. That way okay. I can, I can use all the available memories for each one, 
or go with a higher end radio with more capacity. But yes, I can do anything your heart desires. We can make it happen. Very, very cool. Um, let's see. KJ4RMZ. <laughs> Suggestion for Uh-oh. compact, easy to deploy, multi band HF antenna, live nomadic gen <laughs> class license six and 10 meter coverage needed. I don't understand any of those words. Just because okay. I said them doesn't mean I know what they mean. That's right. So <laughs> I can unpack this a little bit. Multiband, essentially in the HF world, this is an entirely different segment of the radio spectrum that he's talking about here. These are uh, radio waves that bounce off the ionosphere instead of depending on line of sight, right? So you're going to have incredible distances that can be covered with um, the HF bands. Um, he's saying six and ten meters. You know, this is interesting to me. This guy, um, you know, he's entered, identified himself already as a call sign. So, um, yeah, I'm thinking he probably knows the answer to his own question. But <laughs> if 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 I was gonna pick a an antenna for HF, I go with an infed half wave. Um, I I use one that covers 80 meters through 10 meters. Um, I don't do anything on six meters personally, but if I was going to take an antenna with me and I had to pick one, it would be an infed half wave. Um, I carry the Chameleon LEFS 8010 is the one I sell on my site with the HF radios. That's the one I pick. Um, but I'm sure he already knew that and knows more than me and already, um, <laughs> no, but uh, that's the one I would pick. Now it's, uh, it depends on what you mean by compact. It's 128 foot long wire, right? So yeah. not very compact, compact and HF don't really go together very well. Yeah. Compact when, when traveling. Yeah. Like, wire. <laughs> that's right. That's right. right. So, uh, yeah, I have, I have about 700 yards of, uh, braided line on my largest uh, fishing uh, reel. It, yeah. it's compact until it goes out. Absolutely. That's right. right. AK says, how to practice if there's no local folks to talk with? Seems DXing a different skill than local. Yeah, so DXing is kind of related there to HF. That's where you're you're trying to talk long distance to strangers generally. Um so that's an option to you, but some other cool stuff you can do. I teach this in class, but you can buy a simplex repeater. It's a little device that'll plug into your bow thing and it operates like a parrot. So you could go set that radio up somewhere and talk to it and you'll hear yourself played back over the radio, right? So that'd be very helpful with testing. Um, very helpful with trying to do an area study to see where should I put my repeater. You go put it there. And try it out. And if you can hear yourself played back, that's a good spot, right? And this would be if you don't have any friends, um, you can make your own uh, artificial friend, right? Like just buy yourself a parrot. Um, now, otherwise, with with HF, my favorite way to practice HF is to go to KiwiSDR.com. That's Kiwi like the fruit SDR. And you can remote log in to other HF radios all over the world. And so what I could do is say I really want to see if my radio can reach Ireland. I can go to the map and pull up a radio in Glasgow or wherever and listen in on it and then start talking on my radio and see if I come out the other end. Right. So you don't have to have other people. um, But, of course, the whole point of this is talking to other people. So you probably have 
more of a social problem here than a technical one as far as you need to go find some people that are like-minded and uh, build a community. But uh, until then, those are some ideas for you. Awesome. Awesome. So Walt is asking, what's the main benefit of ham? Seems like GMRS is ready. And I think he's trying easy. to say easy and better. Yeah. Uh, does ham just allow more distance? I think ham allows a lot of things. That's right. But you have to be kind of one of those freaky people to maximize. <laughs> like, So part of how I look at this myself is that when we were buying, uh, or we actually leased a Toyota 4Runner, like this next trim package level up, I looked at it, and the seats were the same, and it mm-hmm. adjusted the ass the same at all. They started talking about all the tech in it, and my response is, well, that's great, but I'm not going to use it. So I think there's a lot of people like that. GMRS will probably do just about everything they want, but there are some things you can do with ham, and knowing how to do the things that maybe reach out and touch someone a little bit better and having that, like you were saying earlier, that you can flip over to it if you need to, might be That's a right. pages. The biggest difference with GMRS and ham can be summed up. But GMRS has 22 frequencies. That's all you get. Um, yeah. So you got 22 lanes to drive in. Um, ham has thousands, right? They're they're in the same part of the electromagnetic spectrum as far as you know. GMRS is only 20 megahertz higher than the ham frequencies in UHF. So they're not, the technology is identical. Um, The difference is I now have access to thousands of potential lanes to travel in compared to just 22. Um, Now, another benefit is I've got cross band capability now. So some of that repeater technology we were talking about, Mm -hmm. I can't use, I can't use that on GMRS because I need to cross band from, the 140 megahertz over okay. to four to 440, and to do that, I need to have privileges on both. With that Jim. word crossband repeater just made sense to me. Thank That's you. That's right. Yep. Okay. Yep. I got so, you. There. So without access to the two bands, I can't use crossband repeat. So I'm not allowed to. Right. So yeah. you've got you got not that allowed. limitation yeah. as well. I like the. It's not that I can't. It's that I'm not allowed to. <laughs> That's and, right. Yeah, that, that can be applied to a lot of areas of life, folks. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to go a little uh, 1980s CV geek here. And you mentioned it. I think you said there's 88 frequencies in GMRS. Is that what it was? 22. 22. 22. Okay, 22. Is there anything equivalent within those 22 frequencies to on CB with the SS single sideband? Where within the channel, you can actually eke out a little more distance and have a little bit more difficulty to have somebody intercept what you're doing. Um, to, to get simply put, no. But okay. the, the reason is CB operates on AM, which yeah. is amplitude modulation. So the wave yeah. can be cut in half. and You can use half of the sideband to communicate on. Um, these radios are FM, so there is no sideband. It depends on the full wave to, to communicate. But... Um, the HF rigs are um, the same technology as CB. They use single sideband and AM for HF, but not for the handheld and mobiles. They're all on FM transmission modes. You just gave me the weirdest, and it had nothing to do with it directly. Um, flashback to being a kid watching TV and the old reruns would come on at night, black and white, Outer Limits. There was, a, there was uh-huh. an episode of Outer Limits, and the guy worked at an AM radio station. And you just make me think AM can actually reach out a lot further than FM oh, yeah. radio, right? And so his boss was talking to an alien, like 
somewhere in the solar system or whatever, or in the, in the galaxy. Okay. And he wanted to turn the uh, power at the radio, the AM, on the AM radio station. He was a DJ, so people would hear him. And he's like fantasizing about looking at a map of the United States, and he turns it all the way up. And the, I don't even remember the point of the thing, but the alien like gets sucked through and ends up on Earth. That and the reason I told you this is the weirdest flashback I have ever had in my childhood on an episode of this show in my life. It, but there is something to what AM can like. We think of FM as superior technology. Well, there's trade-offs. Trade-offs to everything. Every technology has things it does better. Yes. So AM is going to be distance but lower fidelity. Um, you can go further on less power with single sideband, but you you lose even more fidelity, right? So you mm-hmm. probably don't want to listen to music on single sideband AM. That's why we use FM for that. But FM suffers from line of sight. Um, you know, with some exceptions, but sure. pretty, you can, you're limited by line of sight. So, yep. Trade-offs in everything. There's no free lunch with radio. Uh, Walt says, can you break down a scanner versus a radio? Is it literally just a scanner? Is it a listening device that can't transmit? Why are they so expensive sometimes? Yeah. So what you're going to find with a commercial scanner, like a unit in Bearcat or something like this is part of the secret sauce is their speed, right? So to scan, you're literally listening on a frequency, waiting to see if you hear something, and then moving to the next one, right? So if you're doing this by hand, it would be click that that knob, you know, yeah. one one click at a time till you hear something. The radio has squelch built into it, so it can determine if there's traffic or not, you know, automatically. But its ability to do that at speed is what means the difference between uh, you catching it or not. You know, if you think about um, if you want to catch the bus, you know, you need to be at the bus stop when the bus shows up. Uh, Radio is the same way. So you have to be on that frequency when the traffic comes through or you miss it. So the secret be- behind a listen-only scanner is it goes really fast mm-hmm. across the whole spectrum. So it can catch things uh, that you could never dream of doing with a ham radio or even by hand. So uh, if you don't know where you need to be looking, they're very helpful. Um, another thing is they can be programmed by zip code. So now, I mean, some of these you literally just punch in a zip code and it knows, all right, you're in this area. Here's your local fire, EMS, police, that sort of thing. And, and it has the right protocols to handle the trunking systems and all the sophisticated stuff um, for you. It would be illegal for you to transmit on those, obviously. So you just want to be able to listen um, it, for emergency service type stuff. But it works just the same with uh, regular traffic. It can find it a lot faster. Yeah. I mean, if you think back to like World War II footage where you see a dude sitting there with a radio, there's like 20 guys and they're all sitting there turning yep. dials. That's what they're That's doing. That's how they used to do it. They didn't have the automation that we have now. They're just people that sat there 24-7, shift change out, and just constantly hitting as much as they can and see what they could pick up, and a scanner kind of automates that it does. Yep. That process. So here, this is really a question, but I thought it was an interesting little hack. Mauser K98 says, chain link top rails come in 10.5-foot sections. Yeah, can be stacked three high for a thirty foot pole. Thirty foot will get you about five miles, five miles ideally, uh, to HT uh, and sixty plus miles to repeaters. Yeah, chain link fence top rail is the um, the most economical way to make an antenna mast. No doubt, uh, I use it all the time. 
and the the key here being it's the mast it's not the antenna right so yeah 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 it's yeah. not clear this is what you mount your antenna to and it is made out of galvanized metal so um your antenna can't be hanging off of it it's got to be up above it or it's going to interfere with your signal so um definitely a good option you can get guy rings that slip right over that um the male bulb end and you'll be able to guy it um, if it's if it's not mounted to something, you know, thirty. Just keep in mind, thirty feet's really high, right? So you need a way to stabilize that and hold that. Three basketball goals on that's top right. of each other. That's right. Other, that's right. right. Um, um, the best way to mount it is mount it to like a house, right? Like yeah. get get an antenna mast bracket and you know get some good GRK fasteners and fasten it to the house, and then the house holds it holds it up, not not uh, your your uh, ratchet straps or whatever else you come up with. Chain link top rail is kind of like Unistrup. There's a lot yes. you can do with it. Uh, another thing, there's actually a company in Canada, I think, that makes a specific vendor for it. Really? And you can use it to make hoop houses. Okay. And it's that like the sense. deepest way you can build a hoop house, and it's, it's chain link rail. I mean, it's designed to sit out there for 25, 30 years and survive. Yep. It's galvanized. It's a... Yep. It's a pretty cool little adult Lincoln logger tinker to play around with. And I'll throw out something here. I don't know if you're going to hear it today, but, dude, last year there was someone here at my workshop, I don't remember your name, um, that, that was a ham guy, and he set up and did some cool shit out by my garden, and he left a giant fiberglass extendable pole out there. If you're coming this year, year your pole is still here, and if you're <laughs> not, it's going home with somebody. All right. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I bring it up and give it to you, but I don't want to have it hanging out because it's even folded up. It's pretty big. I don't want to oh, stick yeah. out the window of my Challenger all the way to Tennessee. Um, uh, another hack, just quickly, is a sure. painter's painter's pole, right? If okay. You, um, you can buy adapters that allow you to screw different things onto the end of those, and they're a quick, easy way to get a get a mast up. More portable than anything, not permanent. Same guy with the. Uh, chain link fence hack says can you talk about gain and different types of antenna what if i want to only talk to people north of me I don't know why you want that's to do right that, okay well um gain is going to be basically the, the intensity of the propagation of the antenna so if you think of it more in terms of like a flashlight do i want a floodlight or a spotlight right spotlights have more gain but what you have the downside with a spotlight is it's a focused beam, right? So I don't have the flood of being able to see, you know, the the deer on the edges of the road. I can only see directly in front of me, so everything has a trade-off. Um, you definitely have the same thing going on with antennas, right? So you can get a directional antenna that shoots your signal out one direction on a very thin elevation and, you know, width and height-wise, like a spot beam, um, there's great advantages to that because I can talk further than I can if I'm sending my signal all around. Um, but you've got uh, you've got upsides and downsides to both. Yeah, and I mean th th that type of tech was even used by the cell companies at one point. Sure. Back in the early like early 2000s, like T-Mobile was cheap, and it was the whole <laughs> country. But if you got more than a few miles <laughs> away from a highway, it didn't work. Right. We had them, and we moved to a new house, and they said, well, why are you canceling your service? And I said, because my cell phone works in my 
living room, but my, my bedroom. Yeah. And and the lady on the phone had the audacity to say, "Well, why don't you choose your phone in your in your living room?" I said, well, "Shameless." My bedroom's, my bedroom's my office, and I work in there. And people need to call me. That's right. Uh, but that's what they were doing. They were actually using directional transmission along the interstate, knowing yeah. they would hit most of the major metro areas that way with their kind of wider network. Smart. Across yep. the open, like if you took a side road for 10 miles, you were done. Um, yep. Yeah, it's tech has advantages and disadvantages. Uh, anyway, um, man, this has been a great interview. I hope people really enjoyed it. Again, guys, the site is Radio Made Easy. If you want to take Evan's class, there's still time if you're coming to Self-Reliance Festival to add it on. Self-Reliance Festival is the 14th and the 15th. Evan's class is the two days prior to that. Again, there's links in my show notes today, even right here in the video. You can look down in the video notes down there. You can get on over there and sign up for all of it. It will add in if you want to learn how to process chickens. You can learn that from Joel Salatin the day after the festival ends. So it's a really cool thing. When I keep saying come meet some cool people, Evan's the kind of cool people I'm talking about. You appreciate that. Don't know who you're going to meet. And it sounds like if you didn't go there, I mean, maybe it wasn't for, I don't remember what you said it was for, but had you not gone to John's place, you might not even be here today talking to us. That's absolutely true. I have, I was, uh, this company was born out of SRF. Essentially, I was my first uh, sales event, you know, my first vendor event, and it gave me the confidence to keep on rolling. So I have a lot. A lot of gratitude in my heart for that event. It's got a special place for me. Well, Evan, man, thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. Take. All right, folks. Well, uh, I hope you did enjoy that. I want to remind you guys, if you like the show and the work that we do, you can always support us a couple different ways. One is to become a member of the Survival Podcast Members Support Brigade. If you do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. But the big thing you get is discounts to a lot of really great supporting vendors. Uh, just a couple of the discounts alone can save you enough money to pay for your membership for years. So definitely check that out. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on members. The other way you can help us out, and this is I call it the painless way because it doesn't cost you any additional money out of pocket. If you're going to shop online tomorrow, this week, next month, whatever, just do your online shopping starting at tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. If you start your online shopping at tspaz, no matter what you buy, you'll help us out. You can also find all the products that I recommend and I have reviewed there. If you see it there, I own it, I bought it, and I would buy it again, or I wouldn't recommend it to you. Today's item of the day is one I found this year, and it was like, where has this been my whole life? South Chicago packing Wagyu beef tallow. It is a giant tub of Wagyu beef tallow. Wagyu tallow is like the most luxuriant beef fat in the world for your cooking. This stuff's very affordable for what it is. A tub lasts you a long time. I haven't bought it again yet, not because I don't want to. I haven't needed to because one, when you're using it to fry stuff and all, it goes a long way. Here's something I did with it, though. This was awesome. I did some sous vide steaks. I took some of it. I put it in a little metal pan, and I was doing some smoking of some other stuff, some ribs. I put the tallow on the smoker and smoked it. And then when I sous vide the steaks, I put the smoked beef tallow on the steaks and seared it with searsol. Oh, wow. Uh, that's just one example what you can do. Beef tallow has a really high smoke point. This is the best beef tallow you can get your hands on. Check it out today. Again, it's made by South Chicago Packing. 
It's on uh, Amazon. You can find the link and the full, full review in that. And if you're thinking, hey, that thing Jack just said, that looks a lot like what that Google Foods guy did with it on Subi Everything. That's exactly where I got the idea. And he was right. It was awesome. He's who I learned about this from. He's a great YouTuber, two big, huge channels. So that's where I got that idea. I always try to give credit. Anyway, with that, guys, I appreciate you being with us today. Tomorrow I'm going to have an amazing guest on that's going to talk about what you don't see in the world of warfare. This guy was worked with the he was a marine in the marine corps, he was a video documentarian and he videoed the stuff that maybe the, the powers that should not be don't want videoed. He made an incredible incredible documentary out of it called Combat Obscura. He's got a new book coming out that that documents what really goes on behind the lines. Uh it was an amazing set of circumstances that led me to uh uh, to, to be able to interview him. His name is Miles LaGrose, and he is just an awesome dude. And if you missed this one, you'll wish you didn't. And with that, I will catch you guys tomorrow with another episode of Survival Podcast. To just run you around. They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. Show you a better way